From 8th Street to 8 Mile Road, from I-5 to Highway 99, Podcast Stockton. The show all about the great life in Stockton, California. This is Podcast Stockton. Welcome to episode 101 of Podcast Stockton. Welcome back to our returning listeners and welcome to our new listeners. I'm Rod Gomez, And I'm Susan Spraker. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions. Please email us at podcaststockton at gmail.com or call us at 565-3229. And we are back again for another episode. See, Matt loved episode 100 so much. That he brought us. He's going to let for, us do another one. He said, we're on a conditional basis, an episode by episode basis. He, I, he, he called me and he said, listen, episode 100 was good. Let's see if you can do it again. Let's see if you can do it again. So, wow. No n- pressure. No pressure. Yeah. Keep your job. <laughs> yeah. Keep your job. Yeah. All right. One so, at a time. Just, <laughs> we'll do just them one at a time. Knocking them out. That's right. All right. So, episode 100. Again, thank you to everybody who downloaded, who listened, who made episode 100. Uh, a good reason for us to come back. Because, yes, thank you. Yeah, we needed a reason to come back, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, too long away. Too long away. Missed and Wes, Wes knocked it out of the park, as always. So much fun. And so much fun this weekend for a lot of folks, too, right? I mean, we're as we're recording this right now, still yet to happen is uh, is Stockton Con, which is a huge deal. And, you know, it's so much bigger fun. every year. It does get bigger every year. Five years. Five years. We started in the Spano Center. Right. And took over the Stockton Arena and have not looked back since. So many great and wonderful guests have come through those doors. We hope that by the time you listen to this, you have just completely uh, Stockton conned yourself out. And, and they got, put up some big numbers. Put up big numbers and that you've gotten all the autographs and all of the pictures and all of the comics that you could possibly want. Um, I know there's going to be some amazing guests and I will be there so you've already probably have seen me said hello. I hope you did. Right. I'm the one holding the mic. Hello. It just tends to happen wherever I go. I right. Guess. Uh, but yeah, so I hope we said hello and I hope uh, everything went well for you this weekend because it's a packed weekend in Stockton. Always is. Yeah, it is. Of course, another big weekend of recovery comes from the fact that now all three major school districts, Lodi, Stockton and Lincoln, all are in school. And, back in uh, session. Back in session. School is officially back. Wow. And for you, it's got a little special meaning, yeah? Yeah, it does. This is my last first, you know, day of school. I have a senior. It is. I, I'm afraid it's going to be all year long of that. Are you going to be taking tons of pictures? Well, I'm going to try. Your Instagram is going to be full of tears I'm and gonna, pictures. Yes, now. I'm going to try not to, you know, be obnoxious. And Well, and she's only going to let me do so much, so. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It might be my own private, you know. <laughs> Stress. Stressor. <laughs> Hashtag my babies. No baby no more. <laughs> Hashtag last first. Yeah. No. Oh, oh there you go. Yeah. I, yeah, I actually, uh, I got two going back. Uh, they've yeah, how back. old now? What grades? Uh, third and first. Oh. Yeah. So we're talking. Those are so sweet. They are so sweet. And now the first grader gets to stay in school all day. What a great, oh, great time good. for a parent. That's good for a mama. <laughs> Certainly good for mama and, you know, good for daddy, too, because right. you know what that means? More breakfasts together. Uh, More local restaurants lunches, to try out. And leisurely lunches. Yeah. So if you're a restaurant in the Stockton area, be on the lookout for me and my wife as we parade ourselves <laughs> through town because the kids are both in school. Awesome. So this week's guest, you actually know, too, right? Yeah, I do. Um, and I'm so excited that Matt sat down with uh, Deacon Stephen Bentley. 
with the Helping Urban Bicyclists Hub, and uh, it, it's just a great, great project. Absolutely. Well, Matt's going to tell us a lot more about it, and uh, we're going to hear his story. The mission of Hub is clear. So clear, it's in the name. Hub, which stands for Helping Urban Bicyclists, is a bike shop unlike traditional bike shops. It is focused on helping the homeless and underserved people in Stockton, created by Deacon Stephen Bentley. I met Stephen a number of years ago. I remember him telling me about his idea for this kind of bike shop. I knew it was only a matter of time before it would happen. I sat down with Stephen, a lifelong cyclist himself, and asked him to describe Hub and his motivation for starting it. Uh, We call it Hub, which stands for Helping Urban Bicyclists. And uh, Hub started as a, a as a way to assist those who are homeless or underemployed to have mobility, uh, transportation mobility, because most of the time uh, they have no other source of transportation that gets them to uh, those those resources that are most necessary to them, or just to get around town for recreation. Well, I'm a cyclist also. Through my bicycling, I've would ride around downtown, around uh, around the downtown area, uh, would ride all over Stockton and see many people who are uh, underemployed or or homeless. And the mm-hmm. only means of, of trying to get around was uh, through their own bicycles. I'm I'm riding a, a bicycle that's pretty successful at getting around. Uh, it's in good shape. It rides well. Mm-hmm. But I was listening to the the squeaks and grinds of a lot of these bikes and knew that these bikes were were in such disrepair and what typically happens if if when a bicycle is in that kind of disrepair they will ditch that bike steal another and find a way to to continue to to do those things that are necessary for them for daily life Mm -hmm. so i thought that this was would be a great way of um, managing uh, and maintaining the bicycles that they have uh, even though if they may have a, just one wheel missing or inner tube broken, at least they have a place to have that t- taken care of to continue to, to exist. Um, the hub has been open since April of this year, but the concept of it happened about two years ago. Uh, the idea sort of evolved as I would see one bike and find a bike, uh, build it up, find somebody that needed a bicycle, and give it to them so that they had to have the, that transportation. I was doing a lot of this work out of out of the office space that I have at the church. So one one bike at a time sort of emerged out of there. Um, and I also at the time I was working with uh, uh, performance bikes, and I was getting a lot of bike parts from them because they had an idea of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so they would give me a piece, or I would ask them for. Uh, a broken down bike that I saw and it would bring it back and piece it back together into one of the Franken bikes that we have. Franken bikes is sort of the Frankenstein monsters of bikes. You, you find you find the the main piece and then you whatever absolutely works to make the bike operational is what a Franken bike would happen. It it may be an assortment of of uh, you know, parts that you find everywhere or anywhere. Or nowhere, <laughs> and, and there might even be missing parts. But it, it actually it really, really works. 
I asked Stephen, what's it been like since Hub moved into its own dedicated space? Uh, it's been it's been amazingly crazy. We have uh, the moment we open the doors and the three days that we're open, they are they're standing at the door waiting to 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 have service. Um, it, it's one bike after another. It's one story after another. Uh, each one has a, a different reason as to why they have a bike or why they're even asking for a bike. Because we, what we do is not only do we build the bikes, but we're also uh, building a bike for them, for somebody who may need one, and we offer it to them free if we find out what the criteria, if they meet the criteria that, that, we're, that we're asking. We might ask a series of questions, what they're going to use the bike for, what their purpose is for that. And then once they have uh, shared enough of their story, then we will make a decision as to whether or not we continue working with them, build a bike for them, or find something that might, uh, might work. So what are some reasons why you wouldn't get somebody a bike? Um, if you, if a person appears to have um, more mental health issues or they may have uh, some violence issues or they, they may, just the way they look uh, gives the appearance that, the, that this is the, their only, only reason for coming for a bike is to turn that bike over for money. I like to know who the people are. So sometimes what I what we'll do is when someone comes in and they're looking for a bike or they have something to ask about uh, how do we how do we go about getting this fixed, I might put them off for about a week and and see how sincere they are and say, well, will you come back and in, in, in another week and we'll talk some more about what you're going to do with your bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they come back, then I know that they're sincere about that. In the meantime. I have a little bit of a story that I've heard from them as well as hear their name and I can remember them as they as they come back. One of the things the richness of of knowing the names of people and particularly people who are homeless or underemployed they're almost invisible in this community in the mm-hmm. community of Stockton. Yeah. And the only the only people who know them would either be the police or somebody who is you know, their parole officer or, or so forth, and they're not given the same kind of dignity. So mm-hmm. this is a way of of showing dignity to the person and making giving them value and worth by calling them out by name. Hub is a bike shop again, unlike other bike shops, since they are dedicated to the homeless and near homeless people in our community. Nothing is for sale. Yeah, we don't sell. Obviously, uh, the whole purpose of this is it's it's all donation uh, motivated and drawn, and so we don't ask for money for anything that we do. However, we do accept uh, all financial contributions, big and small. You know, from one dollar or to the corporate dollar, we'll take every dollar that that mm-hmm. comes into that because that money goes directly back out to what we're doing in terms of our ministry. Uh, but if someone comes in for a bike and say, I want to buy that, um, the, there's two ways of going about it. One way, we, we will tell people that bike's not for sale. We don't sell a bike. The only way that we get a bike out to someone is to explain our, our, our method and how we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, purpose of how we, the purpose of why we build a bike.
Hub is all about helping urban bicyclists with more than just bicycles. Helmets, locks. Um, what we also have is food products uh, and clothing. Um, one of the things that we've learned that when people come into uh, Hub is that their, their main motivation is coming in for a bicycle. But there's a larger story there. Some of the stories are these people are homeless. They have absolutely nothing. And they may not have food or clothing or, you know, the basic needs of, the, mm-hmm. of, of hygiene items. So we, we also accept donations of those uh, types of items mm. and products so that we have them on hand in order to give to, to people who are asking for that. And we put a lot of those together on a, on a regular basis. So as a, as a matter of fact, I got a huge load of food today, and now we're sorting out that so that we can make sure that we have those products available for somebody who may have a need. Mm. So it's, it's about bikes is a hook. Mm-hmm. The bicycle is the hook to get them in there. But finding out how to get resources to them, whether they need to go out and find a job, we can assist them in doing that or getting them con- contacted with uh, social services that they may not be aware of. Uh, we have, as a church, have those, those means in which we were able to find out uh, where, we, where we can direct these people for, uh, for other particular needs. Uh, for instance, you know, it, it, we may direct them to, to a social service that might help them a little better, like you know, go to the homeless shelter that might be, be able to provide uh, bus tickets or other types of things that they're looking for transportation needs. But our, our motivation is to try to help those who are trying to help themselves, those who are trying to get back on their feet, uh, looking for work or actively have a job, and that's the only form of transportation. Operating a bike shop downtown dedicated to helping Stockton's homeless people is quite a bit different than what Stephen was doing before, just trying to help people out of his office with a couple of spare bike parts. It's, it's really funny. Before, it, it, uh, I would have to walk down the street with my full clerical you know, garb, uh, collar and everything for someone to, have, to believe that what we're trying to do in the community is real that we're trying to, to, to make a difference and do something within the community. You know, churches get a bad rap for a lot of different things, but uh, what we try to do is, is be active in the community, um, to provide uh, social, you know, social justice in the community, find ways in, in, in order to help people within the community in which we're li- living and, and working. And so this is, it gives now a lot of credibility by having the doors open and actually putting out a product uh, day after day after day and have people talk about us in the street and say, oh, Hub does this, and word of mouth comes back and forth. Uh, it gives us a lot of credibility, and it gives us credibility not only as, uh, as a partnership in the community, but as a church as well. Stephen's desire to help our homeless citizens and his role as deacon at St. John's Episcopal Church are perfectly in sync. As a, a deacon, and that's my role, uh, my role is different than a priest in that a priest um, manages the, the congregation, checks, check, and checks the needs of the congregation, makes sure that they're um, 
that they are cared for. The deacon's role is to be outside in the community, uh, finding out what the needs are out there and responding to it, bringing it back to the church and saying, here's how, how we as a church, as a people of God, to go out and respond to those needs, find out who's hurting, who's crying, who's, who's, uh, who's in need, and we respond to those needs. I, I sort of straddled that line of being in the secular world and being in the, the, the spiritual world. You know, what I do in the church is, is uh, very liturgical. We do the service. We uh, are, are trying to preach the word out there. But what we're doing in the community is actually putting that into application. Hmm. What do we actually mean? Are we doing what we say that we are? We actually are we living that gospel message? Are we actually doing what we say we want to do in following as followers of Christ? Stephen is a lifelong cyclist and has very strong memories of cycling and tinkering with bikes. Oh, gosh, cycling since a kid, obviously. Um, you know, the first time you see the first wheel move, you, you realize this is magic, you know, and, and so I've been cycling since, uh, a, a young kid. I remember the first bike I, I got, it was a, a red Murray bike with red wheels. Um, and it had, uh, um, uh, it was, I didn't like the bike, honestly, I hated it I, because all my friends were getting Peugeots and, you know, fancy <laughs> racing bikes. And we had this upright uh, touring bike and I didn't really like the look of it Um, but you know now after having ridden for as many years as as I've had I wish I had that bike today because I remember it vividly it was a beautiful bike but I I built bikes uh, along the way Um, uh, I remember in high school I had a motorbacon which was a favorite bike of mine Uh, I switched over the, the the braking system put the right on the left side and, and you know the rear on the rear was on the on the right side um or excuse me the, the rear was on the the left, left side, side yeah. yeah so i switched them around because i'm left-handed oh. so I, I switched it around like that and the bike was stolen and <laughs> i got it back within a week with with a, a, a toggled front wheel because obviously somebody didn't know the braking system yeah. that was kind of fun so that's when i realized <laughs> And you need to modify these bikes to make them your own. They have to be personal, and they are personal. Yeah. Uh, so, and and I started tinkering with bikes at that time. Um, yeah, my my uh, working at REI and also working with uh, performance bicycle taught me some skills on how to build bicycles and 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 uh, manage what we do now. Yeah, I you know watching you put in new brake cable or adjusting a derailleur or shifters. I mean, those are common, mm-hmm. um, common, um, issues with bikes that have to be repaired and, uh, to watch you do it, you know, you can probably do it in your sleep, but it seems like that's, that's something that, um, somebody with not a lot of resources, like a homeless person riding a bike, if they get, you know, the brake calipers get stuck, they just get rid of the bike. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or, um, yep. you know, the brake, if the, if the derailleur's shot, um, and going into the the rear wheel, they just get rid of the bike. And exactly. Those are also things that, you know. You're not you're not just giving out bikes. I see you do a lot of repair mm-hmm. 
um, and you know modifications and things like that too, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, right now, there's a whole box of of extra stuff that REI is giving me. I have to pick them up this week, and there's a, a huge box of chains that they have, and a lot of these chains are, are you can piece them together and make a full chain out of mm. out of this stuff. Uh, that's something that no one would normally do. Uh, it, they would go and buy a brand new chain or, you know, throw the bike away, just as you said. But the, what I see when I see all these parts are opportunities. Yeah. Like, gosh, I can put that on a bike or I can take that off another bike and put it on onto this. You know, that's the, the magic of the Franken bike is that it doesn't have to be the exact parts. They actually will still make the bike work it'll becoming it'll come alive <laughs> just you know like frankenstein yeah it's alive <laughs> it'll ride steven has helped many people in the downtown area I asked him to share a story about someone he's helped. Comes to mind is a, a guy named Frankie. And for Frankie, um, it started off, he, he was a homeless guy that was sitting uh, in the, the little park area that we have just out, outside the church. And he would be there sleeping overnight on the property. Uh, one day I just walked up to them and to ask him what kind of needs he had. Um, and through our conversation, he really didn't need a lot of help. He just wanted, he was gotten out of jail, was trying to get back on his feet. Uh, his family somewhat abandoned him because they figured after a while, you you can't do a lot. Uh, And they were helpful, but they did, they could not help him. Um, they would provide assistance for him, but they would not save him. So I talked to Frankie and found out what his needs were. He wanted a, a meal from time to time, but he really wanted to get back in, in touch with his family, and he had no uh, means in which to do that. So one day, uh, Frankie asked me if um, he could have his family send him a box of items to, for survival, a sleeping bag, clothing, hmm. uh, personal items, and that kind of stuff. And the church does not have an address in which to do that. So Frankie asked me specifically between, you know, Deacon Steve and him, what we can do. So I have Frankie, uh, I contacted his family and had his, uh, had his parents send the box, and it was pretty huge box, to my home. Um, and I gave that to him. That was how we got started. Frankie, over the time, decided that we have a connection and he would come to me from time to time, and I would communicate with his 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 uh, family. And when I got the family back together, you know, where they wow. can communicate from time to time. And what has also helped is is Frankie would. I'd always ask Frankie, "You need a bike? You need a way to get around?" He says, "No, I'm I'm, I'm pretty cool." But after a while, he started started to find work, and finally, he accepted a bike from me. And so it's and. He accepted actually on the on the same day that we opened the hub, the space for the hub. Oh wow! So he was actually one of our first people that we gave a bike to. Stephen shares the stories of some of the people he has helped on the hub Facebook page. 
humanizing a population that might seem invisible. I asked him about the response he's received from the community and from those online. The response is truly amazing. What I like the best about uh, about people seeing that is that we have these little small stories and little snippets of, of who these people are with a vision of who they are. It, it makes them real to people. And the response is that we're doing so much, um, as I said, for the community. And what we are, what we're espousing to be as, you know, how do we love one another? How do we take care of one another? How do we espouse those things that we do as Christians? Uh, this is this is what we do. This is what we're supposed to do. And when you see these people of the, of the stories that they uh, of, of moving on with their life, doing something different, and, and uh, becoming a valued person in the community, it, it it pleases me to see that we are a part of that connection to them making the next step to success. It's it's a joyful thing. And when you watch some of these people, when we give them the bike and their eyes just light up, really, this is for me? You're going to let me have this? I'm going to walk out of here with this bike and, and mm-hmm. the police are not going to stop me and you're not going to stop me. Everything's, this is mine to get around on. I had a guy cry in my shoulder just the, about, about a, two weeks ago because I gave him the bike and he'd been walking every day for f- four to seven miles and he was getting blisters on his feet and his high asphalt from the distance that they had to walk just mm-hmm. to go and see his counselor. And when he had, by having that bike, it saved him half a day of walking uh, so that they can get back and forth to, to, his, uh, mm. to his counselors. It's a joy to watch these, mm. these people with that. And I share these stories on Facebook, and sharing them on Facebook, um, it um, there's it gives us credibility mm-hmm. to people who are, are are looking at us for for help. The music for this episode is Lakeshore Drive, the guitar jazz version, from the great local band Pushers and Thieves. Check them out on Facebook and Reverb Nation. How long have you lived in Stockton? I have been in Stockton, this will be my 20th Christmas. Um, Been here from Los Angeles, that's where I grew up. And came up here after um, getting a divorce and, and needing a place to come where we can still uh, provide for my daughter. And what was the draw? Because I had mobility, um, my job is a drawing desk. Wherever wherever a drawing desk is, I can draw. And wherever there's a mailbox, I can send my work. Uh, now you can do it by electronically. But at the time that uh, I was sending things by uh, by, e- by um uh, facts, uh, you know, mail every in that way. But wherever I live is where my 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 work is. We had the choice of here, Modesto, or Sacramento, and this is where we ended up. I like Stockton. It's a. I tell people it's 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 kind of like a small uh, a large Mayberry. If you know two or three people, you pretty much know everybody. It, even though it has its challenges, the challenges are are overcome by the types of people that you meet. 
there's a people there's you, you sort of meet two people those who either love Stockton or hate Stockton mm-hmm. and typically the people that that hate Stockton are the ones that you know are the, <laughs> the troublemakers they're the ones right. who really need to be out of here because there's it's there's so much to do in this area you know boating and you know we have many of the parks that we have the cycling we have there's so much to do in this area and there's mm-hmm. such a rich uh, community that there, you're never without doing something here every single day of the week it's a beauty um i i i like i like the sense of community you know i live in an area where every morning i see people walking their dogs uh, it's a safe you know if it, what kind of communities do you see anywhere else where people walk their animals because they just feel safe in their community yeah. it's beautiful yeah. bicyclists walkers everything Stephen is not only a deacon who runs a bicycle shop for the homeless people in our community he is also a very talented cartoonist and the creator of Herb and Jamal, a daily comic strip. Herb and Jamal have been around since 1989. And, wow. and they have been, uh, they're part of me, they're par- also part of a, a collection of what friendship is all about. Um, they're two guys that went to high school together. And uh, from high school, uh, they separated and uh, lost track of one another for about 15 years and at their high school reunion 15 years later they meet up again and uh, through that they wanted to relive some of the life that they had and and going back into the community they went to the ice cream shop which was their their favorite hangout only to find that the place had closed down so to relive those memories they bought the the uh, ice cream shop and opened it up again uh, through the history of time now in the, in the storyline, the uh, ice cream shop has evolved into a, um, uh, a soul food restaurant. Hmm. Uh, uh, there was an incident that happened that they lost the shop for a while, and then they bought it back, and when they got it back, it, it was already a, a soul food restaurant, and they kept it as such. Reading Herb and Jamal... I couldn't help but wonder if some of it is autobiographical. It's all part of me, yeah, different parts of me. Uh, People ask, which character do I most identify? I might look more like Herb, but I act more like Jamal. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jamal is a big sports galoof who just uh, sometimes is a little naive. He's got a lot more going on, and and Herb is more of a, a scammer. He he really he's looking for a way to make the the, the fast buck. But they're both loving to one another. It's yeah. a good Jamal's kind of a romantic, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamal's very much of a rom- romantic. <laughs> yeah, and you know he sees world through the rose-colored glasses, and so he wants to see everything sort of. You know, he wants to see a lot, a lot more love, a lot more you know, how people, how he would rather see people. Uh, rather than how people really are. Herb and Jamal is a daily comic, exactly what you would find in any daily newspaper across the country. I asked Stephen about his writing regimen. 
Oh gosh, it, it, it's that's a hard one. You know, there, there are some days when you just are running dry, and then to, uh, and the other days when the ideas just flow. Um, when they flow, it it makes the job so much easier. Uh, in a lot of the, the because the cartoon is um, personality motivated, uh, you sort of have to look inside of them and see what what they think by putting a situation in front of them. And thinking, how would they react uh, if, if you put a, a situation in front of them? What will they do? What are they? What would they say? Uh, so that's kind of how I how I write the cartoon: is put a situation in front and let them work themselves out of it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But you have to sort of play with it in order to do that. And I keep a little book with me where I write a lot of different. Uh, one uh, one liners that I might hear or might come up with myself or something that I might read, all of that goes into a small book. So I usually tell people, be careful what you say because you could be the next cartoon. And thinking about the cartoon that I would say is it's it may not always be funny, but there's some poignancy in there. There might be some some quotations that are that are noted through some of the uh, um, things that may have, may have gone on in. Uh, in today's news, that then that poignancy comes in through the, the things that they might, the characters themselves might ponder. You mentioned that you, know, you carry a notebook around and, and um, you know, you jot down one-liners and probably inspirations, but this is a very unique form of writing, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, how is that different than other creative endeavors when you, you have... We have a limited amount of space and just a few words to get um, mm-hmm. a message across. Is that, I mean, I can imagine after, you know, 27 years, it's second nature to you, but or do you still struggle with, like, how to put that into a small four, oh, yeah. four boxes? Yeah, the, the, the interesting thing about cartoons or car- cartooning and writing cartoons, um, which differ from book writers and others, you know, lyricists and whomever, they you, you become much more you write a lot a lot of you write write a lot and you your script may be longer and longer and longer and longer and longer or your storyline may even go pages upon pages uh for cartoonists we're looking at how do you condense that smaller how you condense that even more smaller so even more smaller how you can using the most economy of words to make the the same point that you're trying to do, and that's the hardest part of the job is is condensing it to its its you know basic one liners or several lines and you know <laughs> so it's not it's not it's not a uh, a box of words. It's just yeah. <laughs> it becomes a just a poignant idea. Stephen does the entire comic strip by hand, the drawing, the coloring. The writing, the lettering. <laughs> real, real old school stuff. All lettering by hand. Yeah, there's um, there's a font style that I know that you can you can that you can use to create and recreate on on as a computer. Um, but I I like the form of just using your hand and, and creating these letters. That that in itself is an art form. Yeah, uh, Charles Schultz. Uh, there's a one-liner that he used years ago that if you can't do this, you, if you, that the lettering is part of the art as well. 
So you, you do the, the best you can and making it as nice you can. Charles Schultz, even with his shaky hand as he got older, you can see the shakiness in his line value, but he chose not to use any any, any font style. He continued to use his own hand wow. to, to draw that. Uh, and hand lettered stuff looks so, so much cleaner if you have a, if that's a practice that you've established. I love doing lettering. And it, in fact, um, one thing at the hub, when you come, when you come there to look at our walls, um, we have some art on the wall, but there's also a quotation wall. And on those quotations, it's all about bicycles, you know, and any quotation that, that we can find that, that describes what a bike is and, and, uh, uh, the love of that it goes onto the wall, and my handwriting is 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 used in that. It's wow. all it's all hand scripted, and it's all my my printing. It was a lot of fun to sit down with Deacon Stephen Bentley. He is a caring man that has worked very hard to help an underserved part of Stockton's population. He has a big heart and wants to help people no matter what church they belong to, or even what religion they are. Hub can only exist through generous donations from the community. Stephen will gladly accept your donation of bikes, bike parts, or money at Hub. They are open Tuesday and Thursday, 10 to 4, and Wednesday from 1 to 4, and are located at 131 East Minor, just east of El Dorado. I also really enjoyed talking with him about his daily comic strip, Herb and Jamal. He has a great sense of humor in real life, and it really comes through in Herb and Jamal. If you like comic strips, you should be reading his. You can find it at gocomics.com slash Herb and Jamal. That's Herb and Jamal, H-E-R-B-A-N-D-J-A-M-A-A-L. And of course, we'll put a link in the show notes. Thanks again to the local band Pushers and Thieves for letting us use their song, Lakeshore Drive, the guitar jazz version, for this episode. You can find them on Facebook and Reverb Nation. They're a great band to see live, too, if you get a chance. And if you do see them, I'll let them tell you about the origin of their band name. Thank you for listening to Podcast Stockton, and thank you to Stephen Bentley from Hub, helping urban bicyclists. You can visit them Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 to 4, and Wednesdays from 1 to 4. Hub is located at the corner of Minor and El Dorado. They'd love for you to stop by with a donation of a bike or cash. We'd love to hear your feedback. Call and leave a message on our listener line, 209-565-3229, or email us at podcaststockton at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, username Podcast Stockton. Podcast Stockton is Matt Beckwith, Greg Barr, Manuel Montez, Susan Spraker, and me, Rod Gomez. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode, and until then, make it great, Stockton. <laughs>